Tim Ryan in Ohio said he doesn't want you there. Warnock said wouldn't say. Do you think they're making a mistake? No, they're by 16 there. I've already gone in for you, and a lot more last another 20 or so. so I'm gonna be going to be doing it. We are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm elections. For months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that red wave? It's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program and a very high energy Monday program that airs Tuesday. I got to tell you, fellas, I appreciate you all indulging my absence last week while I was out trying to make the red wave happen. No, it's good to have you back. And and that's the thing. I think the polls reflect the work you're putting in. And and I think that is a lesson for everybody. You did it, Holmes. You know, like, (laughs) like. Everybody, like, don't put stock into the polls. All that matters now is volunteering, donating, make phone calls, knock on doors. You got to pour it on because, like, who knows what happens. Now's the time. The red wave is not something that's happening. It's something we're doing. Yeah, and we're building it right now. But I got to tell you, a big assist to President Joe Biden. Holy cats. (laughs) What an opener. Did you hear that? Indecipherable. I tried. I really tried. It's Indecipherable. It sounds like us after recording for a couple hours <laughs> it was like when the dragon thing the dragon beer got smug that yeah, one time yes remember well, that it we, certainly did <laughs> we got the, the shout out to the state of michigan for making yeah, that stuff is, and, and Repozinga for bringing it in but man i mean like i, I if you close caption biden's words it'd just be like Close caption words. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't think there was any way. It was, it was just words. They were like, "Yeah, we were, we were really trying to transcribe that." <laughs> the bracket man had a real tr- had real trouble. Real with trouble, that one, right? Real, real trouble. trouble. He was talking about. Uh, he was trying to rebut the notion that nobody wants him in their state, and it, that appears true, except for like Fetterman, right. right? Which is hilarious irony, considering between the two of them, you don't get one that's sentence. The, that's the wildest thing is. You know Fetterman is in, like, incredibly <laughs> bad shape when he's like, all right, I can't speak, but, like, Joe Biden maybe can speak for me. <laughs> Like, when you're trying to Joe Biden for somebody to complete a sentence, you're on your, like, last straw. So it's, like, a very <laughs> terrible situation of, like, well, I know I can't speak. <laughs> How about Joe Biden? Oh, my God. Joe Biden? It's like when you're at the end of the lineup and you need the pitcher to pinch hit. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, what's Kamala? Is she doing? Is she anywhere? We got to fill some time. And you know what? That's a great point. It's like... Things are not yet so bad for the Dems. They're like, well, shit, send Kamala. Like, they're not like things are that dire. But did you did you did you guys see did you guys see the interview that Joe Biden did, where he was asked about Kamala? Oh yeah, came, came out over. Do the we weekend. have audio of that? We sure do. Oh. Vice President Harris, how's she doing? You're almost two years in. How's she doing? She's doing great. She is a. Uh, first of all, she's smart as hell. She is. <laughs> She has a backbone like a ramrod. She has enormous integrity. And, uh... It's a comedy routine. <laughs> like a ramrod. What the hell is you talking about? He just, made, he just makes so much shit up. Well, is that, the, is that the one that he went on to say that she had 60% of favorable it, ratings? It, one yeah. of the same. Which is like, you know, if you average every poll after of the last six months it's like in the mid 30s yeah right <laughs> he, that's a, that's a Biden like equation to people like tell him because 
he cannot know the truth. Like, I think any reasonable person, if if you're an executive <laughs> and you're told that, like, listen, 17% of the country thinks you're terrible. Like, that's, you know, well, that's he, not good. But, like, if you're someone with very limited faculties, of course <laughs> they're not telling you. And so he's just his people are just like, take the polls, multiply them times two. Right. His, his, That's his, what you tell Joe Biden. His last remaining synapses can't handle bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Got to preserve them. Well, he, he did a, He's like, I had to raise Hunter Biden, bro. Do you know what the state my brain is in? <laughs> he did an event a couple days ago, or maybe it was over the weekend, where he was talking about the, the bailouts for the student loans. Did yeah. you guys hear yeah, this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He claimed it was passed by Congress. Oh, my God. I think I did see this. Do you have that? Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two. What the hell is he talking <laughs> he just about? just made it up. It was an executive order. <laughs> I got it passed. I love how he says, I got it passed by a vote or two. Like, he was watching on C-SPAN. No, it's like a precision. <laughs> He's like, no, it's a vote or two. Just so totally made up. <laughs> here's the thing is, I think that is a very important like piece of audio that we have because I'm of, of the sentiment that, uh, God willing... Everyone who's listening puts in the work. We get the red wave. We have the majorities. We can impeach this guy if he is at the point where he's like, yeah, remember when we passed that? And everyone's like, what? Like, <laughs> Congress never discussed it. Like, that was an executive action. If he can't, if the so-called executive doesn't remember an executive action, we're in, we're in a lot of trouble. I, mean, think like, all, I think we all. I think we're situation. all well, like well aware. Well, you got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> I think we're all well aware. Yeah. Of the trouble, I mean, we just dropped three pieces of audio in the first. I haven't even gotten the introductions yet, and I'm terrified. <laughs> I mean, this, you should be. This guy, this guy, something, and that's not even to mention. He did that interview with like where he's talking about uh, gender affirming treatment of children oh. two was, weeks before an election. That was the most offensive it. thing. That, like, I've seen in a very long time where, so this is an individual who has not even done any of the, like, you know, the uh, hormone treatments or, or the the surgical, you know, whatever. Who are you talking do. about? The interviewer? The, the, yeah, the interviewer. Oh, I don't who, know anything about the interviewer. So here's the thing is, this interviewer and, 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 and the interviewer has gotten a lot of backlash because they've got their, like, brand deals. Like... This interviewer is uh, a man who now is claiming to be a woman and who is like, uh, has now been given audience with the president of the United States. Like, what America has accomplished is unprecedented in human history. And now you have somebody who's like, well, listen, like, I have not undergone anything. And, and not that I personally believe that would entitle you to further audience. But they're like, okay, I'm going to be able to interview and discuss issues with the president of the United States. Well, I, like, I just think it's look. Think about that. The problems that we have are not uh, a secret, right? When you've got eight point something percent inflation, you know, double that in various states across this union. Six dollar gas. Six dollar gas. We've got problems at home and abroad. All kinds of shit going on. And and to be honest with you, the president like doesn't do many interviews. Right. Right. He doesn't talk about that stuff. If he does, it's like in passing. But then a long form interview <laughs> on gender affirming, saving saving up the bandwidth for the gender affirming care interview, and like puberty blockers yeah. and stuff like that. 
that. I mean, they're talking about this with children. What in the hell? Like, where? How about, how about social engineering is not exactly where the mentality of your average American voter is oh, right now. How about right. grocery grocery prices? That's the thing. Is, how about is, gas prices? I think, you know, over the weekend, there were a, a lot of very sharp people who pointed out that at a period of time, where so many Americans are suffering under the Biden administration's decisions, which have led to so much inflation, like it's very difficult for the median American family to afford groceries. And that's a statement of fact. That's according to, to Bloomberg, to economists, that the median American family is having difficulty affording groceries. But where, you, where do you go? And where's the priority of, oh, of, of this president, of this White House, Let's get this guy where, talking about like. Where in the world can you go to get your gender affirming uh, transition though? It's just smug. like that's it, the that's the key here. It, it's so infuriating because I think like the purpose of a president has become so much clearer in recent years, where it's essentially protect and defend the middle class and uplift poor Americans. That's you, you know if you use that as your like guiding point. For your mission as president, as we had previously, like, you know. It's just a bonkers think tank. They've turned the White House into a bonkers think tank. That's the thing. This is like we're we're talking about free student loans, mostly to people who could, you know, afford it at some level. By every measurement, everything the Biden administration has done is to help his wealthy donor class, which which is now the Democratic Party. Just Just imagine sitting around, in my view, just sitting around thinking, you know, the one thing that this president could do would be to have a serious debate, public debate on transsexual bathrooms. That's the one thing that we could figure out how to, it would fix America. Like, dude, I mean, I just, I don't even know where to begin with all this, but I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here because we've got a lot of stuff to get to and we have a sponsor today. We do. The Honest Election Project. You will recall they were a sponsor all the way back when Democrats were trying to rig elections with HR1. Yeah, that's right. They did an absolutely terrific job at at pointing out all the flaws and logic and everything else that Democrats were coming apart when they were trying to get rid of voter ID. They were trying to, you know, basically have a federal law of ballot harvesting. They were trying to federalize the financing of election. I mean, they were basically just trying to bring it. right? Right. And they pointed out all that. They got new stuff for us today. We'll get into that. It's awesome. And we also have a great guest. He's very much in the news, and he could very well be you know, a majority maker. It's Joe O'Day uh, from Colorado. He's making a lot of noise Excellent. out there as a Senate candidate. Can't wait to talk to him at the end of the program. Here. And, and for my Colorado listeners, please vote O'Day. Like, you already have to deal with Russell Wilson. Thing, things are tough. <laughs> things are tough. I understand. <laughs> That's my birthplace. Go vote for Joe Day. <laughs> so as we mentioned, the president can't carry on a sentence. Uh, he's having trouble almost anywhere. Yeah. The priorities that he's pulling off the wall and talking to all of us about uh, are absolute nonsense. Would you like to hear how the AP is characterizing what's happening in this moment in time? Mm. <laughs> one handshake, one hug, and one selfie at a time. President Joe Biden is on a mission to connect with everyday Americans. It's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. And that's the Associated Press. This is a wire service. That's the AP. Dude, listen to that. If President Joe Biden could greet every American this way, longtime allies say, his approval rating would soar. <laughs> I mean, what about those clips? I mean, by the way, those clips came from him 
out on the trail doing that. If if you had that dude come up to you and give you the gibberish of like as if would that inspire a lot of well, confidence? It, and and it by and by might. the way, it's demonstrably not true because none of these candidates want him in their states. Correct. Right. You know what I mean? Like this is this piece is totally dissociated from the fucking reality mm. of the campaign trail. It's, it's further evidence that the easiest job in American politics is Democrat press secretary. That's right. How do you think Ashbrook? How do you think this pitch makes it through, right? Because you know, of course, what the White House would like to do is get basically this word for word printed in something like the AP that goes in every local newspaper across the country. But like, it is so far afield from where reality actually is. Like, what? How does this? How does this come to light? It's it's a great question because I can't even fathom coming up with the idea that this is the this is the aspect of Biden we need to pitch when nobody wants him. And he can't put a sentence together. I, I, you know, I really don't know what the pitch would be here. I don't know what the trade would be. And, and you know, I, I think Zeke Miller's a great reporter. I think the do AP you? is a wonderful institution. I really do. I, you I think believe so? both of you, those things. I believe both of those things, and I'll say it again and again and again. I just think this story is completely bonkers. It's just it's wild to me how something like this comes to light when it flies in the face of, so, of everything. Sometimes we've got. that's the point, though. It's, it's, like they do it for the clicks. So yeah, you know, maybe I can it, get that. I want I, I want to give a counter to this. So like I knew Zeke Miller when he was first on scene with like Business Insider, and he would hit me up in the DMs for like the retweets <laughs> and whatever. It's just really spilling the luggage. Here. And, <laughs> really, and, and, I, think, nobody, I, think, I think Smug got back into the dragons. Mode. No, no, but, <laughs> no. But here's the thing: is 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 he was like I. I you can always count on me to be like an unbiased individual and so like he became like the head of like what's that journal organization yeah the white house white house correspondents association and i think all that that, little little thing the thing is that all that garbage gets to their head where they're like okay everyone i know as a journalist is pressuring me to just like push left-wing bullshit and for someone like what integrity do you have when you're putting out a headline being like, Joe Biden loves America. He's trying to <laughs> shake hands. Like, holy shit. Ha- have you not seen that every well, American in this country is suffering? Smug, it's not just shaking hands. To read the story, it says aides say the 79-year-old has perfected his selfie arm. Incredible. The you products know? of which are widely shared on social I, media. I, I think the fact that like <laughs> most Americans are suffering to afford groceries should should be a huge argument for that. Joe Biden has a good self. Let me just read a couple of things here. It might be a small child. Biden likes to carry some cash so he can discreetly slip kids a few dollars <laughs> and encourage them to buy ice cream. It might be someone who stutters. They come in for special attention from the president. Yeah. I bet, I bet I bet the youngsters I mean, who like ice cream on. get special attention. I mean, he outlasts us. <laughs> he gets White it. House Deputy Chief of Staff Jen O'Malley. What Dylan a monster Seth. thing! That, <laughs> that's horrible people. By, uh, <laughs> he outlasts us. I wish the best, I wish such terrible. Thing. Literally the best quote of all time. I mean, demonstrably by anybody who has two eyes or two ears, it's like totally impossible. He fell asleep during an interview last week. (laughs) He literally fell asleep during the interview. We couldn't play the audio because it doesn't really come through. I mean, maybe we should should play the audio. Let's play the audio right now. My intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that uh, my wife thinks that uh, 
that I uh, that that were that were doing something very important. I mean, he actually fell asleep during that interview. Okay, yeah. so, so, so my take is actually it's good to fall asleep during interviews. Like, that's a great It's a power move. Yeah. yeah it's like, a real power move. No one likes dealing with journos. You're not worth my attention. Yeah. Take a nap. If, if the hell no, with you. If nothing confirms my point about being about how easy it is to be a Democrat press secretary, really, if your politician can fall asleep can during sleep an interview through. and you still come out with a story like <laughs> Zeke Miller wrote, it's a pretty easy job. But now, yeah, and, and, like you don't worry about your integrity at all when you drop a quote like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Like, what the hell? Yeah, you'd be, be worried nobody's going to call us back again. <laughs> Biden likes to carry some cash so he can discreetly slip kids a few dollars and encourage them to buy ice cream. I wonder if he like wow if he gets close enough We're for the a police. if he gets close enough for a sniff, you know, <laughs> sniff of the hair yeah. while he's doing it. Oh my God! Well, listen, listen. We've got a bunch of stuff. As we said, we're getting very close to election day. Two weeks. There are Democrat Two alarm weeks. bells going off everywhere. And note that tonight for one night only is a debate between Dr. Oz and that absolute embarrassment of Fetterman. Yeah, oh, this is going to, this is must see TV. I mean, it is, but the thing is, is they set the bar so low for Fetterman. I feel like if he yeah. like remembers his name and says something, yeah. I mean, recall the one thing that nobody shared with us, maybe this, this was reported locally, but I didn't find out until like maybe last week that Fetterman is conducting this interview with the assistance of this computer-generated yeah. text, right? right? Right. So because he he can't hear and process and speak, <laughs> they they've now written it all down, and so he's going to be responding to what it is that he's reading. Evidently, uh, I don't know if that's fully disclosed. It, it better be disclosed at the top of the debate. I'm I'm definitely waiting for that. But either way, that's the way this thing is going down, and his sort of like bar that he needs to clear for success here is just embarrassingly low. Yeah. Um, And I think this is extremely unfair. So I, most voters who are actually paying attention can understand the fact that Dr. Oz, Mm -hmm. responsible individual has, has earned, earned a tremendous amount of success. Mm -hmm. Right. And the media is doing everything they can to be like, Oh wow. We want to turn this person who absolutely does not deserve this Senate seat into a sympathetic figure. I think that's the problem that we're going to be facing. Well, because it's a like, lunatic to it, boot, it, it, you and, know? And, and and we've seen like numerous examples which have been like timestamped, tweeted out of of uh, 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 Fetterman's wife being like, I'm the brains of this operation. Yeah, the de facto the candidate. Shots. Yeah, I'm the de facto candidate. And then Biden you know saying you're going to be a great lady in the Senate. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that about? <laughs> it's like they're essentially in Pennsylvania just trying to pull something off on voters. You know, they know the fact exists that Fetterman, I mean, you know, a lot of reporters won't tell you this, but there was a time when the Fetterman campaign had a deal with reporters where you can only talk to Fetterman off the record, unless we approve the quote, he's going to sit in a car, right? And it may be him or Giselle, his wife, that says a statement. You can attribute that to Fetterman if it's okayed by us. Wow. And what did the journalists do? They were like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, so, that sounds like a senator. I can walk up to a car <laughs> and like, like words are said to me and then I have to go back and, and I'll report them. Yeah, sounds normal. <laughs> totally normal. These criminal people. 
<laughs> well, separately, separately from his ability to answer a question, what I'm more concerned about is what he says when he does. This guy is Bernie Sanders and Jim Shorts. Yeah. And B- Bernie Sanders would not win the state of Pennsylvania in a general uh, election. And the thing is, I think Fetterman is to the left of Bernie. He's he like be right. really out there. Really, well, really cer- out there. Certainly on the issue of like criminal justice totally. issues. Totally. Right? Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, Bernie's not stepped out under that, that limb yeah. quite as far yeah. as Fetterman has. Which is just like, if, if you think about that, like especially for our listeners in Pennsylvania, this is a candidate who is to the left of Bernie Sanders right. on crime. Right, and his, his campaign platform is a violent criminal in every pot. <laughs> it's his only promise. It really is. It's like, his only guarantee to the people of Pennsylvania just, is you will have a violent criminal in your home within a matter of days. Like, you should have liked him. And, 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 I mean, this is a wild thing. Is that Adopt like, a violent criminal. You have, you, have, you have news agencies that are trying to run cover for Fetterman when, you know, if you were an actual news agency, you would cover the facts that Fetterman is an individual who did everything he could in his power to release and has released people who caused damage to the community, whether that was uh, assaults, whether that was murders. These are people that Fetterman wanted out on the streets of Pennsylvania. He's just and a he weird... signed off on it, and the media is like, how can we make things easier for this guy? Because everyone knows, like, it's no secret at this point, the issues in this election are the economy and crime. And mm-hmm. Fetterman has been an enabler to the horrific crime that's occurred in Philadelphia. Yeah, he's in, in, in office. Nobody, I mean, that's another piece of this, right? right? He's responsible for a lot of the shit that's going on in Pennsylvania. Right, he didn't show up to his day job. But you know what he did show up to? The parole board hearings. Oh. Have you guys ever seen this? This is the Associated Press that you criticize. I yeah, happen to well, think the Associated Press does some very good work. I think they're terrible. And they wrote a story exposing how Fetterman rarely has anything on his schedule, except when it comes to parole board hearings, when he's allowed to let violent criminals out of prison. I mean, what an that, amazing thing. It really is. That's his only thing. priority is I want people who are dangerous to be let out you, to hurt If people. you're a tax-paying citizen of Pennsylvania, you don't get this this guy. But right. if you knife somebody behind the corner store, he'll be there for you. Right. No ex- problem. <laughs> exactly. No they're, problem. They're closing down Wawa's in Philly. I don't know if you saw this. Are they really? I mean, yeah. that's fighting words. Like, Wawa's will put up with are. a lot of bullshit. They're like, closing them. My mother-in-law is going to have a fit if she sees that. She's a big Wawa guy. Not going to be happy. Not going to be happy with that. Anyway, there's a couple other debates to keep your eye on. Uh, one that is quickly becoming a very interesting race between the sitting governor, Hochul, and Lee Zeldin in New York. Mm. God bless him. This guy has been through hell and gone trying to represent the good people of New York, but it is tightened up a lot. They've got a debate tonight. That's worth watching. I think we're going to hear hear from Zeldin next week. Oh, that's a great interview. Here on the Variety program. So, Man, this uh, is a great show. Yeah, I can't believe it's free. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I can't believe it's free. Uh, the other one to watch, Tudor Dixon, who you all spoke oh, with. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, Great candidate. Yeah, she's up against Gretchen Whitmer. They're going to be debating as well, as well as our guests today, Joe O'Day and Michael Beck. We need like a political red zone quad box. I know, right? This is, <laughs> Wouldn't that be great we if are? we could do that? If we could do that, that'd be incredible. If only we had the... Millions of dollars. Yeah. If we had millions of dollars, we would definitely red zone quad box. I'd love to be the dude that, did, that, that was like, uh, now we go to Colorado as you watch Joe O'Day flatten Michael <laughs> Bennett. <laughs> 
Bennett's on the ground. It's going to take a minute for him to get up. Let's go back to Pennsylvania quickly. And there's, and there's Fetterman. Shrek in basketball shorts is on the stage. He can barely talk. Not okay. I, I, well, while he's, while he's trying to come up with his sentence, folks, we're going to go to New York. Focus for a minute on the unborn fetus in the back of his neck. <laughs> Did we ever get an answer on that? Is it a sebaceous no. cyst or no, what the hell's nope, going on no, there? No, nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> if you look at the back of Fetterman's They're neck, they're like, listen, going I, I think something. all of us have seen Total Recall. It's like an evil there's twin. There's just like a Martian alien yeah. growing out of the back of his neck. Like, why are we being mean to this guy? <laughs> the AP is like, leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> the AP. <laughs> well, it's not just the AP. Listen to this. The LA Times, they say, voter beware. Oh. Divided government will be an unholy mess. That's right. That's right, L.A. Times, because what we've got here has been an absolute symphony of well-executed economic plans. Right, right. And, and then also, I mean, this is California, which has had unified democratic control forever, yeah. and it's a fucking mess. It's a mess. <laughs> right. I mean, the takeaway is that, like, El Segundo is not bad enough. So, like, when, when the L.A. Times got bought and they shipped all the journos to El Segundo, which is, like... Essentially, just like refineries, it's like fire in the sky. It looks like Blade Runner, right out there, and that's what they sent to journal, which is like, I think still too good for journals. Like they should be in horrible prison camps. But they send them to El Segundo. <laughs> but I think this, the fact that they're still parody, about, parody, we're laughing. Yeah, the fact Not that they're still dropping takes like this that like. Listen, we need unified Democrat government. Like, no, it how gets is better. this a credible paper? It, it gets better. Every president for the last four decades has contended with divided government. Sometimes that has arguably been a good thing, a constructive check on executive power. Not now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what wow. a take. What a take. Oh, man. It's just incredible. Meanwhile, you got a bunch of shifting going on. Uh, Real Clear Politics Senate projections recently moved three battleground Senate races uh, towards the GOP, Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada. Mm. Uh, Meanwhile, 538 has tightened its projections for the Senate amid a deluge of polling that shows uh, Republicans gaining ground. That's according to the Washington Examiner. Uh, Nate Silver was a bit skeptical. He's at 538 of the GOP poll surge before. Uh, but he says, but I think the evidence uh, for it, it now is pretty convincing. Well, no shit. And that's the thing is, is there's going to be a lot of polling that folks see and, and they get excited about. It, and you should, because the fact of the matter is that we are on the winning side. The majority of Americans agree with us, but that is not an excuse to let up. Like right. now is the time to double down, triple down, volunteer with a campaign, you know, Find your local race, find your local conservative, support them, donate, phone bank, door knock, because we have to pour it on. Right, we, I've definitely... Like the, the victory needs to be enormous. I Like I said last week, I've definitely lost a lot of uh, matches in fantasy football where I was leading in the projection. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, That's the thing. So even if you're winning in the polls, you got to turnout you That's gotta you gotta get your neighbors and your family to vote you gotta volunteer you got a phone bank you gotta donate yeah no 100 percent. so we talked at the top about how the honest election project uh did a segment with us against hr1 and democratic efforts to basically rig the elections yep and they're highlighting another really super super important issue it happens to be happening in michigan yeah right and what we've seen over the years is that there's an awful lot of attempts by Democrats to try to put ballot questions, like confusing ballot questions yeah. that yeah. deal with the administration of elections. 
right? So real, real relevant here. They've got something called Proposal 2 mm-hmm. <laughs> in Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. It's on your ballot if you live in Michigan. Take a look at this thing. What it is intended to do is end voter ID in Michigan. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Like, think about it. Voter ID in and of itself is like a 75%, 80% approved yeah. of yeah. thing. I mean, how can you not like Every cohort of a poll will tell you they support voter ID, yep. including Jimmy. Every minority. It just makes including sense. Including Jimmy Carter. It just makes sense. Yeah. So so guess guess who the cast of characters are that are, are supporting this thing? Who? The Arabella now. Oh! oh. Foreign influence over our elections. <laughs> yeah. Like, it turns uh, out. It turns out, right? I mean, we've covered on the program before an awful lot of money from what's that? Hansborg. Hansjörg Wiss, like from Switzerland. This right. is a, this is a foreign national. The guy sounds like a villain in, he does. in, in he, a Mission Impossible movie. He, he's like a literal Bond villain yeah. who funds these like left wing dark man groups <laughs> who want to accomplish garbage like this. The breakdown of American democracy. That's what they want. That's what they want. Yeah, so they're trying to use a workaround because they know they can't get that. They can't just say it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because, and actually they have poll numbers that show that 84% of people in Michigan support voter ID. Yeah. Right? 72% of black voters and 90% of Hispanic voters. Yes. Right? Support voter ID. So they got to they gotta work around. They can't. So what they, it, democracy doesn't work for them in this. What, in what's, this uh, what's, what's their gimmick? So they're trying to write a workaround that would be enshrined into the state constitution. And Michigan Proposal 2 would allow anyone who does not want to show a photo ID to simply sign a statement attesting who they are. And the proposal says it's allowing for a signed affidavit or a photo identification to vote. (laughs) Right? Because if you take the unreasonable uh, approach of voting illegally, you're definitely going to be stopped by a sworn state. <laughs> I mean, like, think about that. That That is so insane that they're like, yes, we will verify your vote. Like, you, you know, you hear Democrats talk about, like, we want to defend democracy. If they think a vote is worth so little that any individual can just, like, scribble on a piece of paper, yeah, that's me. Well, totally me. Also, it's like... Like, can I show up to a bank and sign a check? Yeah, right. I'm Elon Musk. But, to myself. Like logistically totally here, you, you sign that, that af, quote unquote affidavit saying you're John Smith or whatever. Uh, your ballot doesn't say I am John Smith. It's not like they can go back and invalidate no. your vote. Exactly. No, the vote's counted. It's That's counted. That's why they want it. That's it's why counted. they want it. And so, so, but here's another little wrinkle that I love that they've pointed out here. And again, these guys do really, really good work. The House or Honest Election Project. They mm-hmm. do really, really good work. But you know how PolitiFact has basically become an arm of the Democratic Party? Right. Yes, yes. Right? So they've got this thing where they rated the, the proposal to, the critiques are that would put in the Constitution that you never have to show a voter ID ever again. Right? As we just covered, that's precisely what exactly. the words say that, that you don't have to wants. do. And they rated it mostly false. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. Oh. <laughs> Mostly false, even though, you know, that's exactly what it is intended right. so to do. It's awful. It's terrible. Yeah. So anyway, you got to be involved in this. Get yourself educated if you're in Michigan. Thank goodness for the Honest Election Project. Thanks for the sponsorship. But more importantly, thanks for the good work you're doing across this nation and in particular in Michigan right now. The thing that I've appreciated most about all of this new coverage where you saw it in Axios, it's in the Hill today. Like all of this stuff that we were talking about last July and August about like don't get down yep. 
here's the cyclical way that these things work. For those of us who've been in politics for a while, we can tell you like these things tighten post slavery. I mean, we basically gave you the roadmap, yeah. right? But then we also told you exactly what it is that all the prognosticators and journos would we, do. We definitely can spike the football in this. Yeah, we were kind of like Babe Ruth pointing to the upper deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you see an Axios red tsunami watch. Uh huh. Right. Polling, spending trends, and conversations with leaning Democratic and Republican strategists suggest it's now very possible House Republicans win back the majority on November 8th with more than 20 seats. Oh, hmm. Oh, Interesting. If you didn't take our word for it, you had Dan Constant, who runs CLF, to tell you exactly what was about to happen. Right. Uh, two weeks out for the midterms, evidence points to a reemerging red wave. Reemerging red re-emerging. wave. That's interesting. Or it could have just been the natural way that these cycles yeah. play out. But either way, either way, it's reemerged. Nevertheless, you never, you never know. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to see the red wave when it's miles off in the distance. But it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty apparent when you're a couple of weeks out, right? It's, it's, it's right there. Uh, we found this is this is great in the in this Axios deal that they cite a Monmouth. Is that the right Monmouth? Monmouth. Is Monmouth. Is that Monmouth. But I like to say I like to say Monmouth. Monmouth. Where is yeah. this university? Is it like New Hampshire or something? I think or, it's New Hampshire. Is it? How, how dare so how dare Hampshire. you not know where Monmouth is? Of course not. Yeah, I'm, I'm a working individual. I'm not like a, a Monmouth. I don't know whether they teach I've people never heard or not. Of a Monmouth. But, but it's they, not Monmouth State, so I don't it's, know. Well, it's in New Jersey. Is it's it really? In it's a Jersey. Well, that explains the people they were talking to. What's that poll say? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually pretty good. So, in Monmouth poll, sixty-three uh, percent of respondents wish Biden had given more attention to quote issues that are important to your family, <laughs> <laughs> even in New Jersey. Wow. So it turns out gender reaffirming uh, uh, policy is not like the top of the list You're for kidding. you and your family. You're or cut, cutting every single ad on abortion. Yeah. That's oh. not. Oh. When, when gas is $6. But I thought Yamish told us that there was 90% of voters <laughs> that were concerned about that. I mean, like, it, it just strikes me as so <laughs> insane that a moment where, like, every poll will tell you that uh, what voters care about is inflation and crime, right? And the White House makes a choice to be like, we're going to put out TikToks about, like, gender reaffirmation with this, like, you know, uh, TikTok star. And, and, and this is, like, days after Forbes has an article being, like, TikTok actually, like, you know, it spies on Americans. <laughs> like, is there any way an administration can make worse decisions than what the Biden administration has done? Like, sounds, I really, sounds, I can't think of any. You know, Smug, it sounds to me like the Biden administration is colluding with foreign forces to influence our election. It's it sounds clear. a bit like a collusion. It's pretty clear. It's a collusion. So, what, the Hill... Uh, also says sharp swing in momentum towards GOP sparks democratic angst. So hmm. here's the one thing we haven't really gone into, which is how these things end, right? We've talked to you months ahead of time about how there's a dip and then they come back mm-hmm. and then the ad parody and then right. we find ourselves basically in the same place that we were in prior to the summer doldrums. Yeah. Right? We talked to you about that. How it ends is actually more interesting in many ways because in the last weeks before an election, the party that thinks that they're going to get their dinks kicked in always start turning on their own. Yeah. Mm. Right? Because you try to keep even the, the fissures and seams that Republicans have too. You notice in the last few weeks, everybody's sort of knit back together. Yeah. For the most part, right? I mean, everybody's just working very hard to put 
all the bullshit aside and just work for the common right. goal. I've like really enjoyed that. It's been a great time. It has been a great time, but that's how you know you're winning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the other side, all the guns start coming inside the tent. <laughs> <laughs> they, according to the Hill, angst is growing among Democrats at the momentum they saw earlier this year in their bid to keep control of the Senate is beginning to wane. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) As recently as a few weeks ago, Democrats were bullish about their chances of defying harsh historical and political headwinds, believing that voter anger over the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and lingering GOP concerns about the quality of Republican candidates might allow them to not only hold but expand their paper-thin Senate majority. But the political winds appear to be shifting once again in the GOP's favor, right? Of course, of course. I mean, we told you all of this. I mean, it's it's incredibly telling when you look at the priorities of each party, where right now it's apparent to anybody, anybody, that the issues that matter to individual Americans is crime and the inflation. Well, the reason why they don't care about that, though, Smug, is that the Democratic activist class that operates these campaigns at a high level Mm -hmm. does not does not live in the same America as most Americans. Yep. Mm. You're right. You're 100 percent right. And so like thousand percent. So that activist class projects all of their anxieties and their economic situation on the electorate. And that's what they've done with these ads. They've just decided to ignore the reality of all of these polls and instead say we're going to shape the electorate to only care about abortion and transgender affirming care <laughs> you know and and drag queen story hour because those are the things that upset me on twitter every day you know when when and republicans right. when like, republicans are are going to ban books that's the shit that we're going to talk about in our ads and they wonder why they're losing that thing is like does anyone think ron Klain cares about his grocery prices. No. I bet he does not notice. No. he. I, I guarantee he has no idea if there's been any difference in the amount he pays today from a year ago. But there's why, it, look, there's a difference. There's a difference than be, you know between being well off or insulated from the economic reality that a lot of Americans are having and choosing to deny the reality. That's right, that's and, huge. And, yeah. and, and not identify with Which it. is, well, that's really what's happened. Right, yeah. right. And it's, it's cruel to do so. Yeah, I mean because uh, I mean that's the thing is you are you, to do that like Ron Klain and this administration are doing, it's cruel. Right. There's no other way to look at it. They're very cruel to look down on people who are you suffering know, because of their policies. Th- this all played out on Twitter over the weekend. I don't no. know how closely you guys followed the uh, Twitter website on Sunday, the old Twitter.com. But there was a, an economist. Who, was this the guy from? This is the guy from uh, Claim to Fame. This is a guy from Claim to Fame. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so, so I saw this and I was like, holy shit, he does exist. And he's back, he, in, he's he, back in the he, he does exist. There's so there's a reporter from CNN called Andrew Kaczynski. Some of you may have read his stuff. He's got a thing called K File. He's he's an Oppo specialist, yeah. and he made the observation that. Um, that a lot of voters feel like the economy is a disaster, and so therefore that's something that they're focused on. I love how, how journalists think this is like an exotic discovery. Right. Like, wow, times are tough? Weird. <laughs> well, uh, one of the uh, the regime's favored economists challenged K-File and said, <laughs> yeah. don't jobs count as part of the economy? You know who retweeted it? Oh, yeah, my man. Claim to fame. My man. Your man, claim to fame. Oh, that and, is incredible. Along with a whole host of Democrats. 
And they're just literally not. So not only are they bullying the American people into not believing their lying eyes when they see grocery prices going up, but any journalist who has the audacity to say what they see, they're coming after them in droves. So, I'm, I'm just worried. I'm, look, dude, I'm worried that we cover too many of these people on the variety program and we've become a farm team like a, a scouting report for <laughs> ron claim i mean it's a real fear of he's mine he's like where are the bad takes did you, did you i'm see? not convinced this dude isn't a burner like the economist <laughs> burner right might, because you, there's no real economist that just this shit. like that fake football team that filled out a football team <laughs> yeah. like a fake economist just like twitter troll account it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> incredible i mean who else there's not a, an economist worth their weight in salt it would be like but look at all these great jobs and, yeah and, and that's the thing is right you know, we're going to see a, a pattern going forward where the illiteracy and, and numeracy of this administration is going to become so glaring. Like right now, they are banking on the hope that Americans don't realize the absolute horrific path that their policies have taken us on. Well, and what the, they're not going to get credit for the jobs because the jobs came back because they took their boot off the neck of the American economy. Exactly. And it's disconnected from where the American people are because they were ready a year, they were ahead a year ahead of this administration on where they wanted COVID policy. Well, and if they'd not been acquainted with the, the whole like workforce participation right. stats, right. right, that happened post-COVID when everybody lost their jobs but they and then still not, think, people didn't come back. They still think they're going to get credit Two years later, in a midterm election, with all this bad shit happening, for saying you can go back to work. Well, they're going to get credit, but it's not the kind of credit they were looking for. <laughs> yeah, no, it comes to the other. Yeah, I, that's I, right. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw Cook Political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Jessica Taylor over there, who has been with Cook for a couple of cycles now, she wrote, there is an increasing likelihood that Republicans may not lose a single incumbent senator or governor. Ugh. As we've been saying. They're so nervous. As we've been saying. I think that's happening. And they also did, there was a House ratings change over at uh, Cook that has some significance. And the reason why it has some significance is that the actual chair, the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the campaign arm of House Democrats, is now toss-up. Yes, and and I would also... (laughs) This is is one of the... Low-key greatest stories of the cycle. I would also point out, we talked about this on yep. last Thursday's episode we when did. we talked about Lee Zeldin, you know, polling really close yep. to Hockule, that It's Hokel. Hokel. That this seat could come into play. And lo and behold, here we are on the Tuesday program, and we called our shot again. So, uh, some more good news for you fellas. Uh, I think we are going to have some first-person discussion of this from uh, Sean Patrick Maloney's uh, opponent, oh. a guy by the name of Mike Lawler. Man, we're doing a lot of previews Man, on is, today's program. Yeah. This really is the Guys, it's show. an embarrassment of riches, and this is what happens in a wave environment. It all just comes together. But also, Beautiful. people, you know what? Like, here's what I really love about this is we've become such a town hall for Republicans mm-hmm. that everybody wants to come in here and talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, generally speaking, at the end of the election, you're only like, you know, tending your own knitting and everybody's stressed and you're trying to do bus tours and things like that. Yeah. And like every person is like, hold on, let's take 20 minutes and talk to the fellas. Hell yeah. Right. I mean, it's because we've been on this stuff from the very beginning. I appreciate that they do that. And that I mean, this look. This could be a big a big boost for that. You know, the other reason why they do it is because they know that our audience is the single greatest audience in all of media. Yeah. That's right. Easily the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Easily the most powerful. And that's the thing is like our listeners are not just like, okay, we listen to a show. 
they go out there, they volunteer, they donate, they they make the red wave happen. That's right. And that's the thing is like this candidate, Mike Lawler, is on the verge of upsetting Sean Patrick Maloney. I mean, that's history. That's if you huge. take out the campaign chair. That's a, that's, that's amazing. That's a cherry on top. It's a message Sunday. sender. I love this. All right, this is NBC News. You know, this is difficult. Uh, for Republicans, the positive signs are that Biden's approval among independents and swing state voters is in the 30s and low 40s, that the GOP once again holds enthusiasm, enthusiasm advantage, and Republicans lead in congressional preference among smaller set of likely voters. Uh, although that's well within the survey's margin of error, they have to add. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, caveat all that. 78% of Republicans have high interest in the midterms. And that is a nine point lead over Democrats. I mean, that, listen, that's significant in a midterm. Yeah. I, I mean, there's always uh, a lot of discussion about like enthusiasm gap. But again, like, I want to reiterate the importance of the fact that don't get confident, don't get comfortable. Like, we this is now the time to pour it on like this is now the time to if you're in your congressional district if you're in your state and you got a senate race talk to your friends make that plan to vote because we gotta pour it on yeah know when you're gonna vote you know uh volunteer for your friends be like i'll, I'll come grab you we can go hit the because everybody at the same knows time. everybody knows a friend or a neighbor or a family member who's like not really all that plugged into this yep. stuff, but they view the world similarly, right? They're not happy about the economy or anything else, but they're just kind of like, you know, yeah. somebody else's gig. Grab them by the lapels. Yeah. Well, and then, and then also the other thing is, you know, having worked on campaigns, this is the best time to be volunteering on a mm, campaign. It's because, fun. Because yes. when you get on the phones now, now. versus yeah, yeah. six months ago, the tone, the tenor of talking to voters is a lot different. Oh, yeah. You know, because people can start to sense it. Mm -hmm. And they're excited to go out and vote. Totally. And they're way more positive. You're going to get a lot less people hanging up on you. And, yeah. and show up at these bus tours and events across the country that people are having. Definitely. I mean, when you sense the enthusiasm, when you're surrounded by thousands of like-minded people who are ready to just run through a brick wall to yeah. make this red, red wave happen it does something for the soul yes doesn't it yeah it does and you can feel it i don't know about you guys but like this time of year i've been doing this long enough where like you get a certain second or third week of crisp air yeah yeah it's hit you start feeling it and but like, on the tactical vest yeah you just sort of feel like oh it's campaign season <laughs> you know and like ready to go Ready to go. So uh, uh, I have a little anecdote about my personal experience. So I, I voted. I have already voted. North Carolina has early voting. And there was this wonderful moment where uh, we got voters in line, right? And then some, like, random, like, Teachers Union member rolls up to the line of voters, like, with pamphlets of being like, hey, who wants to, like, look at the pamphlet for, like, the teacher's choices? And this dude, like, two voters in front of me was like, you're not supposed to be here. Hell yeah. For that bullshit's over there. Hell yeah. And she had to like bounce. I was Dude. like, all right, let's go. But like, I, I know, feel so good. Like the red wave is. Voter, voters are educated. If I, they know. If I could just one counterintuitive point on that. If you don't feel like screaming the person down, which you do, if you do, great. Yeah. But if you don't, make sure to take a piece of lip because it's a perfect instruction manual of who not to vote for. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Holmes and I do this frequently. Frequently. We'll get the Democrat sample ballot so we know what bond issues to vote against. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. It's true. When you get down to like the super local level, 
and there's like conflicting research and there's not yeah. much online. Yeah. Just, if they give you the answer, just perfectly. Do the opposite. <laughs> do the opposite of whatever they're recommending. <laughs> it's actually quite helpful. Yeah. I'm glad that they do it. Yeah. If you live in a blue place like we do, it's really, really helpful. Um, listen, the polling is just the polling, right? I mean, ABC Ipsos has done some more research into this. Inflation, Republicans have a 15-point advantage. Wow. I'm surprised it's not an 80% it should, advantage. It really should be. Right? I mean, it just goes to show partisanship's a hell of a drug. Uh, gas prices, uh, GOP has a 14-point edge. The economy overall, Republicans have a 12-point edge. Crime, 13% edge. There's, so in this, there's, a, there's 22% of people who think that Democrats have an edge on crime. Which is wild. <laughs> Because, like, I can't believe 22% of Americans are criminals. Because like, <laughs> the only person I'm going to vote for is going to let me out. Maybe, maybe that's... Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great on crime. Yeah, they're, they're great on crime. Well, maybe, <laughs> look, I mean, the times are tough for pollsters. Maybe the only people answering the phones right now are at the phone bank at C-Block. <laughs> yeah. Like, we called Rikers. Not a same thought. Great, like, great, yeah, Democrats great. totally love on crime. Yes, yes, yes. It's very <laughs> tough on crime. No question about it. Fetterman, Fetterman. He's <laughs> you'll be there for my parole hearing on Saturday, by the way. We got a... We got a <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to say anything. He just pulls out the stamp and... <laughs> so uh, here's an interesting thing that popped in Axios. It turns out people in the Midwest are more distrustful of major American institutions than any other part of the country. Interesting, right? Interesting. Yep. Midwesterner uh, skepticism spares no one. Compared to the Northeast, Southwest, and the Midwest has the lowest level of trust in every institution. They, they say skepticism <laughs> like it's a bad thing, but I mean, to be honest with you, if you were from the Midwest, you'd understand. New York, Washington, and Hollywood talk to you for your entire existence. Yeah, oh yeah. And they tell you how you're supposed to think. Are you... you, you uh, Nobody, nobody actually trusts any of that. That's well, right. To the point where it like affects your sports viewing when you're a kid. Oh, you know, like I've been watching a, a game with my dad, and then you know it would be like a national game that the Vikes are playing or something like that, and you'll hear some commentary just like you know, oh, it's a crick. Packers or you know the Cowboys or something. It's like a typical East Coast bias here. It yeah. is, pal. Here it is, pal. They're just gonna they fall in love with the Packers because yeah. they think it's like industrial Midwest and they're gonna say nothing but nicely. They don't know anything about us here. That's right. <laughs> they did that with the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Remember when they were making a run a few years ago? Detroit really needs this. And everybody's like, yeah. it's like you what? gotta be kidding me. It's you like guys they root give for a the shit. Yankees yeah. every. <laughs> Like I, I'd like to publicly apologize for like the Broncos bias for like national games, which is like NFL fans do not deserve. Yes, this. why have they like, done There's this? a lot of horrible punishments, but like to watch these like in prime time, terrible. Yeah, yeah, like terrible Broncos. <laughs> like Monday night, let's do Broncos. Like just make everyone. No, suffer. I feel like it's like it's like the WGN was to the Cubs in the in the nineties. Oh, yeah, right. Monday night football is right. basically just Denver it's Broncos. Like you're going to sit through this horror show. <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. You guys want some animal news? Yes. 100%. Let's break this out because we've been following the bears. You all know this. We've been mm -hmm. following the bears closely. But according to Yahoo, video shows a bear breaking into a California cabin and then living there comfortably for 10 days. 
<laughs> I support this bear so much. Yeah. <laughs> Video footage taken in Tulare County, California, shows a gigantic bear repeatedly breaking into a house and making itself at home. The owners of the house were on vacation when the bear decided to invade the premises and help itself to its food. Mm. <laughs> security cameras show the bear happily feasting on food in the kitchen i love that it's like appropriately yeah. sitting in the kitchen while hey, you don't want to make a mess of the living room, that's right, right? You know, you just, it's just an airbnb right <laughs> what's super hilarious is like the family that owns the house is like checking in on their like you know alexa or whatever the ring camera yeah. imagine the horror and, and they got video of this bear just like having a great time <laughs> you imagine like, that that room on vacation <laughs> Nat napkin in his lap. Yeah. <laughs> no, no pants like, on. He's like relaxing. He's like, all right, time to go hit the fridge again. Awesome bear. Treating the pillows like an amusement park. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have Holmes back. <laughs> <laughs> the cabin owners were on vacation when they left the empty house for 10 days. The local bear broke in five different times. Five times. Five times. Well, it's not even really breaking in. No. Like it was one break in. It's the bear's house. And now point. it's the, I mean, I don't know what the <laughs> eminent domain rules are in California. My guess is they're, they're pretty permissive. Yeah. I think the shit's the bear's house it's now. The bear's yep. house now it's the bear's house footage shows going through the kitchen absolutely anything that it, that it can get its paws on and causing a gigantic mess it's 500 pounds by the way and, and, and i mean like i really want to see this footage because it'd be hilarious when a bear is breaking into a house like five times he's like all right this is my house now it's like 100 percent. so like i bet he rolls up and is like i'm gonna make something you know, who knows what a bear wants? He rolls up in the kitchen. He'll, he'll throw some turkey, some bread, make himself a sandwich. Because like five times, <laughs> he knows this is a gold mine. Like, this is my house now. A little miracle whip on the bread. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does a bear do when he knows, like, this is my pet? He's like, this oh, is I, I'm the king of the castle. I got direct TV. I got Sunday <laughs> ticket going on. This is, I'm not going anywhere. The reason the tie back for this story is so significant is because this is how we were introduced to Hank. Yes. That's mm -hmm. right. That's Hank right. Hank was busily invading 30 different homes in the Lake Tahoe area, which, as you know, is a, you know it's a bordering to California. There's parts of it there in, in California. It could be Hank. And, and the wall thing oh, is... Oh, you, you think this is Hank? Well, it could be, but you remember ultimately what happened to Hank is that they, they busted a bear mm -hmm. when it was breaking into a home in the Tahoe area, and they assumed it to be Hank. And it wasn't. Yeah, he's like Kaiser Sose. Exactly, right? So Hank, Hank's got a lot of stuff going on there. And I just, I think the people of California, if you have an unmanned home in the woods, you're going to have trouble. I just think it's amazing. Like, so, so, so this bear individually seems amazing, but for Hank to hit thirty houses, oh like yeah. This. The problem, the problem with California and the officials there are they are too lib to be able to handle a situation yeah, properly yeah. like this. They simply cannot drug the bear, <laughs> tie it to a helicopter, fly out in the middle of Pacific Ocean, and release. This is the bear just version of, of the banana pool. It's just gr gratuitous. <laughs> no, but like... You, it's always water. They're illiquid. <laughs> well, because water works. He's like... Water snipe. works. No, I, think, I think you drop it on El Segundo. When, when the LA Times deserves a bear or, or any erroneous bear dropped. When right it Because the flights out of, out of uh, uh, the Los Angeles LAX fly over El Segundo, just drop the bears there. But Holmes brings up a really good point, and that is like... 
whenever it comes to animals, Ashbrook always has this snidely whiplash way of punishing them. <laughs> you know? But it's always drowning the ocean. It's about efficiency. It's about efficiency. If you have a shark problem, pull him out onto the beach. <laughs> he, can't, it's, he can't do anything then. Some kind of acute asphyxiation. <laughs> Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Let's let's transition to some more depressing news. Uh, we need to break it up with with bear stuff from time to time. Um, the National Report Card. So Politico wrote about this: American student test scores plunged by historic levels during the coronavirus pandemic. Surprise, effing surprise. Yep. Prompting soul searching among education. Edu- soul searching. Yeah. Soul. Yeah. I, I. My blood pressure is rising. Oh, uh, new results from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, better known as the nation's report card, revealed steep declines in math and reading scores among U.S. fourth and eighth graders that President Joe Biden's top schools officials described as unacceptable. Who the fuck are they to say that anything's acceptable or unacceptable? They're the ones that created this. That's the thing is, is I, I think what's very key is you see a lot of language that like uh, the New York Times and everyone pushes where they're like, due to the pandemic, students are underachieving. No, due to the response yes, exactly. from the exactly. Biden administration, from these left-wing governors, well, it where was, students were- And were, teachers were unions. Let's, and the teachers unions- that's the problem. Let's, it's not like it's, it's not like if you catch COVID, all of a sudden you can't read when you're yeah, COVID. Eighth COVID isn't the national emergency. This is the national Bingo. emergency. Let's be fair here. My kids were blocked from school before Joe Biden became president. Anthony Fauci was in charge. He was empowered by the guy who served before Joe Biden that kicked kids out of school. So this I is mean, a it's problem. A fair point. This is a very fair mm-hmm. point. This is a problem that is much bigger than just Joe Biden's. Dumbass. Like, just the, the whole the bureaucracy. The effect that Fauci had on this country was like keeping kids out of school and leading to situations like I this, where, where I think California's like the majority of eighth graders are functionally illiterate. I don't know why you would give a guy like that absolute authority over the children in this country, and not only give him absolute authority, but pay him more well, than I, everybody else in the federal government. Look, I don't know. P- putting this, the the why did Trump do the Fauci thing? Whatever aside. We have the media now talking about a thing that they had the opportunity every night on national yes, television yes, yes. to to say ring the bell and say what's happening. I saw Jake Tapper just the other night talking about, oh, you know, we we maybe have to have a national conversation about how this impacted kids, and it's like now on TV every night you're on TV every night right. and we've been screaming about this right. and you never covered it we wanted people to die you said well to the, yeah, to the contrary they did right. cover it but they covered people like Governor DeSantis and Governor Kemp and Randy as, Weingart as if they were absolute ghouls yeah, by right. suggesting that children can continue their education like, right. incredible right. Like I hate Yunkin. these people and, so much and now Glenn Youngkin one a year ago yes they should have gotten the memo yeah. they should have understood the fact that like what you did to children is unacceptable, and they did not learn. They did not learn, and it persists. But now you're right, Duncan. There's hardly anything more infuriating in this country than the people who are in charge of educating our kids now expressing complete astonishment that kids ranging in like six or eight-year increments have fundamentally lost a generation we, of education we, in this we, we, are, we are bailing out student loan debt yeah, for for mm-hmm. for people in their 
fucking late 30s mm-hmm. and we have a national emergency of fourth through eighth graders like where is the national mobilization and the funding to fix this problem mm-hmm. rather than bailing out the fail sons and fail daughters of liberal arts degrees yep. you know across this the, country the, the it's fucking insane there, there is none because democrats don't care the bureaucracy does care. not care well the bureaucracy is built to sustain their power right right that's, i that's mean the only purpose they, that's what it is i mean randy weingarten and, and the teachers unions are a perfect example of people who up until you recall Joe Biden was well into office their primary justification for that first American rescue plan that like multi-trillion boondoggle that they ultimately passed entirely on a partisan line was it so they could open reopen the school yeah they took your kids hostage put a gun to their head and say you have to pass this boondoggle other your otherwise your kid never gets to go back to and, school and, and they never explained how it is that that was there it was like God, underpants I'm, no I'm logic right so it was like angry. pandemic uh, kids back in school money. Yeah. And right? And it's like, how in the world are you... Randy Weingarten... two trillion erase the pandemic? Randy Weingarten is like a perfect personification of the problem where like, if you're a teacher, you've got someone like Randy Weingarten who is getting photographed for all these articles in front of a private jet. Dude, right? she was in Ukraine like she's, two weeks ago. What, what the hell is she doing she in Ukraine? A, a PJ to like Ukraine to be like, I'm monitoring the situation Jesus. at the border. Takes a PJ <laughs> for all these appearances and it's like all that money that's being stolen from your paycheck That's exa- for dude, Randy that's- Weingarten to take PJs around the planet. How is that helping the kids? It's, Think about that. It's it's the, it's the absolute worst worst thing about the system it's probably the worst example of public service that i've seen in generations i can't imagine a more collective shitty logic than the one that was used to prevent our children from going to school and learning anything for a course of two years after we've already found out by the way that a vaccines that were administered were still transmissible so in other words the pandemic doesn't go away Mm -hmm. And, and and B, that the masking and all that was complete bullshit, right? Like, we know all that stuff happened. We know, it's, it's you knew horrific. it along the way. It's horrific, the fact that, like, even now, after all the scientific data is out, and, like, we were told to trust the science, there's still this contingent that's trying to maintain control, and it's the teachers' unions. Because they know, they found a way to essentially just, like, hold america at gunpoint and demand more money well because they're never held accountable i mean i don't know how much you guys remember of what was written about randy weingarten during the pandemic and immediately after the pandemic but it's always glowing there is zero accountability for the established teacher union terrible organization from the press the new york times never never wrote anything critical of her or anything critical of of the movement against uh, uh, uh the movement to keep kids out of school um, and to be to be honest with you, it's just like what you get with Democrats. It's just like what you get with single party rule in California. Single party rule in California that's cheered on by a biased press. What do you get? A shithole. Mm-hmm. California's turned into a shithole. Nightmare. S- single single like ideology rule cheered on by a biased press in schools. What do you get? Failing schools who close without any kind of critical uh, eye at all. You got um, one well, chance to hold them accountable. That's and right. It's in two weeks. And that's it. You got one chance, and this is it. But speaking of California being a shithole, Mm. this is from the New York Post. 
San Francisco just paid $1.7 million for a single public toilet. This story... <laughs> what? This story yeah. is amazing. I mean, it, it, like, can, a, like a porta potty It can only be found... Let me just read a couple of these things, because this can only be found in progressive democratic politics and spending allocations, right? So San Francisco politi- politicians created... This is perfectly New York post by the way san francisco politicians have created a huge stink after agreeing to spend (laughs) 1.7 million dollars on a single public toilet even a local uh resident who campaigned on it is is gasping quote this shit's expensive literally (laughs) great quote despite uh crippling rising crime and homelessness across the california city lawmakers bragged to the san francisco chronicle about securing the staggering amount for one single toilet in 150 square feet of space. They told me it was $1.7 million and I got $1.7 million, Democrat Assembly Member Matt Haney proudly told the paper as a part of the state funding. So the, the, the potty price tag, as the New York Post says, involves several rounds of reviews and evaluations. Mm, oh, that's very, very important. Also, Environmental study. Listen, this, this is the coup de grace. Also meaning completion will be stalled until at least 2025. <laughs> Dude, the writer of this was like, do you think I could fit 10 puns in? I bet you I can get I bet I can get it. I can get it. But I mean, think about this. This paid $1.7 million for a single shitter. And that shitter is not delivered for two years. Yeah. That is California in a nutshell. That, you know what else is California in a nutshell? Is this assembly member, who I'm assuming is a complete dipshit, pun intended, um... <laughs> Is Perfect. so proud of it. That's yeah. like like he's proud of the I fact. I did it. Like it cost one point seven million dollars. I didn't ask any questions. I got them the one point seven million. Like, like a real boss hog. And he's gonna and he's going to face probably no zero repercussions for this. It's at all. just stunning. And I think th- and that's and that's the uniparty rule. That's the thing that 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 the L.A. Times tells you is going to be better than divided government. Yeah, if <laughs> shits like this, that's just important. Is <laughs> this is the smart people. These are the smart ones. This story. <laughs> Unbelievable! Like, like, like stories like this are illustrative of what they want for the entire country. Yeah. Like when the LA Times puts out this article, being like, "Yes, we need uniparty <laughs> Democrat control." They want everyone in America to have to deal with this. It's, it's just unbelievable. incredible. So, last issue that we got to cover because I was astonished by this. This was in CNS News. Terrorists trying to get into America from our weak border. Yeah. Right? Mm. Listen morning. to this. Border Patrol encountered 98 on terrorist watch lists crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. 98 people on the watch list? 90. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how big the watch list is, but 98 seems frightening. Well, uh, it's it like, seems nine, like 98 were the ones that were, like, stopped. That's the thing. It's like, how many terrorists do you think are going to be like, all right, border agents. Right. I give myself up. <laughs> just I would so guess you know. that's the majority. Just so you know. Yeah. I mean, U.S. Border Patrol encountered 98 foreign nationals on the terrorist watch list who were crossing the U.S.-Mexico border between the ports of entry in uh, fiscal year 2022. <laughs> that's just in the last year. According to new, newly released data from U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Now, I also noticed, this is not a part of this story, but I also noticed that that custom, that Border Patrol, they released their numbers on Friday night at like 10 p.m. Yeah. I, I Did also you notice noticed that? that. Did you see that? Because they know this is a problem for them. Like, 
they've maintained essentially an open borders program yeah. in place since since Joe Biden came into power. And the results of it is the mayhem that we've seen and uh, Democrats have, have run on essentially trying to make this election cycle about abortion. And we saw about a month ago when you've got DeSantis, when you've got Abbott, who, who made the issue of illegal immigration real for the vast majority of Americans, even if you're in Martha's Vineyard. And and here we are. Would you like some con- contrasting stats? 100%. Just to see, like, you know, maybe there's a lot of terrorists that try to get across the, uh, the border. In 2017, we encountered two. In 2018, there were six. Mm. Compared to 98 There now. were zero in 2020. Right? I mean, I'm just telling you, this is a real this, problem. This is not there's good. A, there's a genuine crisis and, at the border. And you know who's going to get to the bottom of it? It's not the press. It's the brand new House majority. That's right. And their oversight powers that they will be given by the American people this November to look into what's going on at Homeland Security, what's going on at this White House, and hold them accountable for letting these terrorists into our country. Well, I'll tell you another guy who's going to get to the bottom of it. It's our next guest. He brought it up on his own. He's going to the border next week to visit for firsthand to tell his constituents everything that they're not being told by the national media. Let's welcome Joe O'Day. I want to welcome back to the program. You heard him here first during the primary, uh, of which incredibly joe o'day emerged in colorado is not only a a winner of the primary but somebody who could put democrats in an incredibly difficult position in the blue state of colorado joe welcome back josh thanks so much for having me on today i really appreciate it you guys uh that first interview that we did was a lot of fun looking forward to this one it was great fun and i think all of us our takeaway was wow this guy's for real wait until colorado meets him and that's what you've been doing. It's been fun to watch from afar as you all are crisscrossing every corner of the state of Colorado and getting to know folks because your poll numbers just keep coming up. Yeah, this race is tightening. We're, we're dead even with independence right now. And uh, soft Senator Bennett, he's a little nervous, I got to tell you. I mean, the softest in the game, the softest in the game. This guy has zero conviction, right? I mean, he'll vote along with their party line every single possible opportunity, everything that's come up, you know, from the Inflation Reduction Act all the way back to the the beginning of his tenure as a United States senator. Not once does anybody ask where Michael Bennett is going to fall. Of course, he's just going to follow his party's leadership. 98% of the time with Joe Biden, every time we turn around, uh, I've been calling him big spender here, big spender, $5 trillion in the last two years that just catapulted this uh, economy into a dismal spin, uh, record inflation. I mean, you guys know the story. Groceries at an all-time high. Gas prices still up. Um, they're patting themselves on the back because it came down a dollar, but it's still a dollar fifty more than it was a year and a half ago here in Colorado. I got to tell you, the most critical piece of this is diesel. Diesel is what runs our country. And until the price of diesel starts to come down, we're not going to see any help in sight. Uh, that's why I got into this race. We, we got to do things that make sense. Uh, one of them is to flood the market with good, clean diesel from the United States and make sure that we can power our vehicles and lower the cost of goods. That's what it's going to take. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because not a lot of people talk about it, but but that's what you get with this candidacy and, and what you're talking about 
specifically is your normal guy. You've you've you work for a living, right? You're not sort of pontificating from an ivory tower about what would help the Colorado community. I mean, this is somebody in yourself who who works there as employees and knows how to make a difference. You know, my wife and I've been truly blessed. You know, we live the American dream here in Colorado. Started our business out of our basement back in 1983. We currently employ 300 families here in Colorado. I'm a working guy. I went through the uh, carpenter's apprenticeship back in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. I was a union carpenter for a couple of years before we started that business. Um, so I know what these guys are doing right now and how hard families are working. Uh, when you're when you're having to make decisions about whether to heat the house or feed the kids, I mean that's dire. We've lost 10% of our buying power in just the last year and a half with this record level inflation, and there's no end in sight until we make some changes. Until we get rid of soft Senator Bennett, uh, it, it's not going to happen for working Americans, and that's why I got in this race. Yeah, well, we're sure glad you did. And you've been uh, sort of making believers out of a whole bunch of Republicans across the country. I saw just this last week, Ron DeSantis in to help you out. I know because I've looked at your poll numbers that the uh, Republican Party is is fully behind you at this point, Joe. And you mentioned the independents, which in Colorado, critical, right? Oh, it is. And we, we got great Trump supporters, GOP. Uh, we've got independents and we got Democrats. There's a bunch of Democrats that have donated to my campaign because they believe change is, is has to happen. And, and so it's 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 crazy. You go across this big state, and I've got people walking up to me, giving me a hug, and saying, "Joe, you got to win." And then there's a desperation in these people that I haven't seen in a lot of years. Um, they you know their livelihoods depend on it. And Bennett, Biden, they've just forgot about working Americans. They don't care about us anymore. Despite desperate economic times for people all across Colorado and across this country, it appears each clip I see, your campaign has given people a ray of hope, right? And that there's something that's beyond this that we can work towards and try to improve some lives. Well, we, we've got solutions, right? And, and this other party that's you know been implementing all of their solutions that caused the record spending, caused the record price on gas and oil, caused uh, record crime here in the United States. I mean, we've got solutions for that. It's really simple, common sense solutions. Let's end the war on energy. That's a simple solution, right? Let allow working people to go back to work here. We, it costs us 30,000 jobs on the Western Slope. Uh, when they started the war on energy here a couple of years ago. Uh, and then we've got this record spending that we're doing. It just in the spending. It's pretty simple. You don't have to keep spending. I, I, I mean, I'm a no-nonsense guy. And then you start talking about the record levels of crime here. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the party in charge right now, the Democrats, they implemented the defund, demoralized the police stance, which really discouraged a lot of cops here in Colorado that have retired. I just spent some time with Chief Pazin here a couple weeks ago. He's retiring. Uh, same reason. Uh, people aren't backing him anymore. Uh, you know, and he sees it. And, and he's down 250 cops out of 1,600 here on the Denver Police Department, which those guys have backed me. They, that union got behind me early. Mm -hmm. They know I'm going to do what's right to get, you know, crime back in line here. And then we start talking about these woke DAs across the nation yeah. that won't hold anybody accountable. It's just unbelievable to me. So these 
Solutions are simple, but we need people like myself that have a backbone that'll stand in there and say, look, enough is enough. And that's why I'm going. That's why we're going to get elected on November 8th, having a great time. I got to tell you, man, people are fired up campaign. Yeah. No, I mean, look, no question about it. The other issue that you've been highlighting on your campaign, and I know you're you're scheduled to to have a visit yourself to see for yourself, is the issue of border security. Um, that's obviously important as we talk about communities with the influx of fentanyl and drugs, human trafficking. Colorado, like most states, not immune to those problems. Right, right. No, soft Senator Bennett, he's had a, a chance to to stand up and be counted and, and come across the aisle and fix our immigration system, but he he didn't want to do it. Uh, that's a political football they continue to juggle. Uh, I'm gonna. It's one of the first bills that I'll introduce when I get to the Senate. I want to secure our border, and there's a lot of reasons. I mean, you look at the human trafficking. The cartels are running our southern border. We got migrants that are dying on their way over here. What we had 50 in a tractor trailer box that that passed away. I mean, that, that's just inhumane. Not to mention the drugs, and the drugs are killing our kids here in Colorado. Uh, we lost 1,900 young Coloradans last year to drug overdose. I mean, that's just unacceptable. There isn't a family in Colorado that this hasn't touched, and people are ready to get this under control. It means we need a good policy that uh, secures that border, uh, ends up giving the DACA kids some citizenship. Let's get that taken care of because that'll be worth some signatures. We can get 60 signatures on this. And then let's streamline our immigration system so we know who's coming across. Do you know that 20 on the terror watch were picked up just in the month of September last year? That's wild. This last month, it's 20 people that are potential terrorists. Unreal. That came across that border illegally. And so there's a whole lot of reasons that we need to get this under control. And I'm going to lead the fight to get that done. Well, I'm glad to hear that because you listen to the National Democrats that Michael Bennett dutifully follows, you know, lockstep with, and they don't think there's a border security problem right up until they show up in Martha's Vineyard, right? I mean, it's like literally not an existing problem until their favorite vacation destination has has illegal migrants. And then all of a sudden the, the problem is that they're there, right? It's not that not that the border isn't secure in the first place. Right. And Biden's been flying them all over the country and nobody right. said a word about it. Right. At the same time, I, I got a lot of praise for Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, for bringing shining the bright light that we need to shine on this issue because it's a national problem. I mean, every state's a border state right now. We're all having the same issues. When I talk to uh, the, the cops up here, they're telling us that the fentanyl is coming straight up by 25 we got cartels in our neighborhoods now uh, that are affecting our kids. You know, this is, a, this is a monumental problem, and we don't have anybody holding anybody accountable here in Colorado. That's the other problem. Yeah. They're not locking anyone up. We're number three in violent crime here in Colorado. Unprecedented. Wild. That's wild. You would never attribute that to Colorado, right? I mean, for those of us not from there, you would think, you know, everybody's kind of hanging out and skiing and and sort of enjoying their time. Obviously, the economic woes that hit the rest of the country have hit Colorado, but violent crime is not the first thing you think of. Well, then the number one spot to steal a car is DIA. So when you come out here for the big win on November 8th, you need to make sure that you park your car somewhere a little safer than DIA. I'm telling you, I'm going to make 4,000 cars a month. We're number one in auto theft in the nation. Isn't that I'm crazy? 
I'm going to put Smug's name on the rental on that one. I don't know. That's that's too much liability for me. That's unbelievable. (laughs) But listen, we've all been huge believers in this race. We're huge believers in you personally, Joe. We've seen all kinds of candidates over the years. And in a true, authentic guy who's doing it for the right reasons is a breath of fresh air, regardless of your partisan stripes. I thank you for that. I, I imagine that as you are, traveling the state you've met some interesting characters oh we, we we've met uh, quite a few i'll tell you what it's touching though my wife and i were at a, a lunch uh, up in sterling where we met some great folks we had about 100 at a rally had time to eat lunch and uh you know had uh, a family come over want to take a picture and, and then wanted to huddle and just say a prayer for our candidacy for our family I mean, those kind of moments are just touching. People have been so fantastic uh, across this great state. Uh, it's, it's, it's really humbling. It's, it's really unbelievable to see the huge coalition that we've built uh, just starting to come together. They're fired up. We've got people knocking on doors. They've hit over 200,000 doors here in Colorado. Our GOP party, uh, Christy Burton Brown, she's doing a fantastic job uh, getting everybody fired up about this election. Yeah, well, you are doing a great job. Like I said, there's people from all over the country that have now tuned into the fact that Colorado may very well be the difference between more of the same and a Democratic agenda with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer. We go in a different direction. And honestly, I think most of us have come to the conclusion we can't possibly afford more of the same. And so, Joe, for our listeners who want to help out here, uh, where do they go? Uh, joeoday.com. That's J-O-E-O-D-E-A.com. I'd love to have their support. That'd be fantastic. Uh, you know, every dollar we're raising right now is going on to the, the TV, to the radio, to advertising to make sure that we get our message out. Uh, these guys have spent $30 million from the Democratic PACs just in the general election. You got to remember, they spent $10 million trying to keep me off the ballot back in the primary, uh, supporting a different candidate that couldn't get elected here. And we've got we've struck fear in their hearts. I'm just telling you, we're going to win on November 8th. It's a great campaign. I'm working hard. There's not a stone I won't leave unturned. This is about America. This is about Colorado. This is about getting our nation back where we need it. That's what we need to do. Clear and concise. I think that message resonates with just about everybody, Joe. Again, thank you and your team for everything that you're doing. Keep us uh, posted on on anything. I know ballots are already out, right? People are already voting. So it's just about making sure that everyone, friends, neighbors, anybody you know who's even tangentially involved in Colorado politics, man, get, get on it. Because if Joe O'Day doesn't win Colorado, I'm not sure it can be done. Thank you for what you're doing, sir. Josh, thanks for having me on the program. I really appreciate it, man. This is a, a great chance to talk to working Americans, and I, and I hope to see you out there on November 8th. I'd like to have you do my first interview as a U.S. Senator, buddy. Oh, I love it. I love it. And we're going to take you up on that and, and provided somebody who you have sort of posted in a field post that has readily access, accessible Rocky Mountain oysters. We need to bring those for Smug. He's been, he's been dying to try them. We're going to Bruce's up in Severance. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Joe O'Day, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again. I just love the guy. I think that we need a construction guy in the Senate. And I I I mean, it's really nice to hear somebody speak like the people we encounter on a day-to-day basis rather than somebody who's sort of like 
custom made in a beaker jar, right? You know, to serve in elite Ivy League institutions and then come to Congress and sort of yeah. pontificate about you know what the poor people are doing today. That's right. Bennett. That's, you know? that's his opponent. Is is basically created in a beaker for whatever the neoliberals need. That's what Bennett's been there for. And softer than Giza sheets. <laughs> no question about it. Fellas, I think we may have done it here. We have done it. I got to tell you, if I can say so myself, absolute banger of an episode, gentlemen. Thank you so much to the Minions for listening. Tell your friends, tell your family, listen and subscribe. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold line, and own libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.